Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. Today, my friends, is episode 360, which of course, in this 10-week-on, two-week-off world that we live in, means that there will be two weeks for you to catch up on uh, past episodes. The last 10, and the previous 10, and the 10 before that, and the 300 and change before that. Catch up! If you dare, you probably would lose your mind if you tried to listen to all of them in a short one-a-day style period. I would assume. Uh, something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. I say this for the reason that there probably will be spoilers, and this warns of them. It's not a 100% guarantee of spoilers, but, you know, strong chance thereof. Uh, I think the last thing that I quite often say, although I've become a little more lax at saying it, is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Excuse me. That is ridiculous. Ooh, that hurt a little bit. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Because podcasts like when those things happen to them. And you like to make likes to the like, don't you? Okay, well that didn't make sense. What does make sense is pushing this button that will get us started officially. I'm pushing it again. Today's movie monologue sponsor is The Man With No Name, Identity Theft Prevention. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, if you're following along, and I hope you are, it should come as no surprise that our first movie we're going to talk about is AVP, colon, Alien vs. Predator. Why do they? Why don't they just call it Alien vs. Predator? Do you really need the AVP? Weird. But it was a strange time in 2004 when this came out. A very strange time. Um, You know what I'm curious about, and I could probably look up, but we don't have time to do so because we're on a tight deadline, is was Freddy vs. Jason uh, around the same time as this movie? Uh, Did we have a sort of versus desire in our hearts in the early aughts, perhaps? Perhaps. Uh, This one's not my favorite in the Alien franchise. Uh, It's okay. Um, Rating-wise, jeez, I think I'd go a three. 
And of course, that's a 3 out of 5, which means that I enjoyed it while watching, but probably wouldn't watch it again, although this is the second time I've seen it. So maybe last time I saw it, I gave it a 4, and now a 3. And then if I ever force myself to watch all Alien movies one a week for seven weeks again, maybe I'll give it a 2. Uh, it feels more like a Predator movie than an Alien movie. That's sort of my strongest takeaway. Um, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? For the purposes of watching all the Alien movies, it's probably a bad thing. So, you know, there you go. Okay, uh, next, moving on to High Plains Drifter. Oh, I hadn't seen this in a while. And uh, the Netflix selection of quote-unquote classic movies is pretty small, uh, this one was just added, so I thought, hey, uh, you know, why don't I revisit that? Clint Eastwood, the man with no name, did, uh, I don't know how many exactly, spaghetti western movies where he played kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of the same character. Uh, if you ever have the choice to watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly or any of his other movies, always pick The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That is the best one by far. This one's okay. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll probably... I feel similar to how I just felt, that I think last time I watched it, I probably gave it a 4, and now I'm going to go to a 3. Uh, Clinton Eastwood strolls into a western town and helps defend it from people, and he... <laughs> I don't know, a very strange beginning where he walks into the town, everyone immediately hates him because he's a stranger. He ends up basically raping a woman... Uh, this movie came out in 1973. I should perhaps specify when things like this happened in movies, and I guess people didn't bat an eye. Uh, yeah, I don't think that scene would make it into this movie if you remade it. Anyways, let's move on. Oh, I think we're making pretty good time here, which is unusual. I'm not used to it. Uh, next movie is Frank. Oh, it's that movie with the guy with the giant paper mache looking head that you've seen the poster for or a picture of or a still from uh, i feel like this came out in 2014 yeah i feel like sick since 2014 i've been seeing this movie and always saying yeah that looks kind of interesting i should watch it i finally pulled the plug shot the gun um buried the dog what's the saying i finally watched it and am I glad I did? Sure, because now I can look at this saying, oh yeah, I don't need to watch that again. Rating-wise, on that note, jeez, uh, I think this might be another three. Yeah, it was good. I had enjoyment while watching it. Uh, I don't really think I have a desire to ever see it again, though. Uh, let me read the imda. Uh John, a young wannabe musician, discovers... He's bitten off more than he can chew when he joins an eccentric pop band led by a mysterious and enigmatic Frank. Uh, the titular Frank, throughout the course of... Uh, this is a bit of a spoiler. Throughout the course of 90% of the movie has a giant... I don't think it is papier-mâché. kind of looks papier-mâché. Head on top of his head that he never ever takes off, even a shower. So he's a bit of a weirdo. Uh, which is probably what made this movie as interesting as it was. Moving on to the last movie, which is called The Last Mogul. Oh, segue. Uh, yeah, this was a documentary uh, also on Netflix, like a couple of other of these movies. Canadian Netflix, I should perhaps specify. Ugh. <sighs> 
I'm gonna go two to maybe even one out of five. It wasn't very good. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really care for it at all. Today's television talk sponsor is Faceless Spiky Dildo Monster Lube. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, regular listeners, if such a thing exists, will know that every uh, series with uh, American Horror Story... 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 Post... Sorry, pre-colon... Oh, boy. <laughs> Basically... What I'm trying to say, that I'm not doing a good job at, uh, every time uh, there's an American Horror Story, the missus and I watch it, and then because I have a segment on a podcast called called Television Talk, I will then bring it back and talk about it, as it is from television, because that's how things work. Oh boy. Uh, American Horror Story, let me just say in general, is not what I would call necessarily a good show. It is not terrifically well written acted shot but it is a show that uh, the missus and i both enjoy and i think millions of others enjoy uh i do kind of go in with it knowing that my expectations are to watch every episode sort of turn my brain off and see some possibly interesting things unfold uh do the things always make sense no no they do not this one, uh, I should probably have figured out where it fits as far as storylines, where I like it. Uh, to me, the first one is still the best, uh, where I there was sort of genuine scares from time to time. This one, maybe the first episode or two, there was a few uh, creepy, creepy spots. I should say that I do not like long hallways. I think... And I cannot verify this 100%. I think it might be watching the movie The Shining at a young age has made me a 35-year-old man uh, get goosebumps whenever there's a scene in a uh, scary movie or television show that has long hallways. So uh, this has that, as it takes place in a hotel, like The Shining. This is the most haunted of haunted hotels. Haunted not just by ghosts but primarily by vampires. Yeah, uh, I didn't know, uh, and quite often don't, going into American Horror Stories, or at least try not to, know anything about it. Uh, that's a sort of rule in general I have. Uh, try not to watch any previews or read any reviews or anything like that. Just go in blind. So I had no idea that it was going to be vampires as a sort of main thing. Vampires living in a creepy haunted hotel. You got some serial killers... Oh, uh, what is the one sort of shining beacon of this? Uh, I have to look at the cast, cast and characters. What is his name? Uh, Evan Peters, yeah. So uh, he's been in, I think, all of them now, to one degree or another. Uh, he played, like, a guy from, I guess, like, the 20s, 30s, 40s, somewhere in there. A ghost, I should say. And uh, for me, he was sort of the highlight of it. His performance was, I would say, over the top. Uh, quite often comedically so, and maybe possibly not necessarily meaning to be. 
I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe that's how he decided to play it. Maybe that's how they decided to film it. But uh, really, really liked him in it. Uh, he was the highlight of the show for me. Rating-wise, uh, it was okay. You know, I'd probably go three. Yeah, I'd probably go three out of five. Uh, the misses probably, on her broken scale, would do similar. Uh, her broken scale, though, means that she would probably rewatch this a bunch of times and still give it a three, which doesn't make sense to me. If you're going to rewatch something multiple times, why would you do that to something that only is a three on your scale? God. Uh, other good performances are Sarah Paulson, of course. She's uh, she's always good. Um, Angela Bassett was really good. Uh, Kathy Bates and... What the hell is that guy's name? Dennis O'Hare played a, 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 a cross-dresser, I guess you would call him. I don't know what the PC thing is now. Uh, also very good. Lady Gaga, who you might even consider the star of us, was, to me, not very good. She is not a good actress, I would say. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Uh, Andre's Giant Bookbinders is today's book banter sponsor. Thank you for that, folks. Folks, we did it. We did it. Two, Green Angel Tower. That's T-O, Green Angel Tower. Book number three of the Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn trilogy by Mr. Tad Williams is what we're talking today. The long-awaited talk of this book <laughs> you know what, just to, when I open the Wikipedia page uh, to this, because I quite often will have it open in case I need to look at anything, which usually I don't, uh, the first thing that jumped out at me uh, is that it says, at over 520,000 words, it is one of the longest novels ever written. So... Uh, the fact that it took me a little longer than normal to read, uh, I hope you will forgive me. Uh, the Wikipedia page will back me up that it is a goddamn long book. In fact, uh, it says that when they released it in paperback, they had to do it in two parts. I guess because if you did it in one part, your book would fall apart from the sheer stress of the pages. Unbelievable. This series. I loved it so, so very much. Uh, if you've listened to my talk of the first two books in the series, it shall come as no surprise that uh, this book and, of course, the series as a whole, easily going to get a 5 out of 5 from me. Um, so much happened in this last uh, book, as you can imagine. Um, there were... <laughs> this book did... Uh, this series, I should say, did two sort of very incredible things. Uh, it followed sort of normal fantasy formulas which people can sort of look down upon and say uh, you know I've been there done that this came out in 1993 so yeah I came out in the 90s during sort of fantasy novel explosionness uh, so I, I suppose it should come as no surprise that you'll read things in this book that you can see in many other fantasy novels now that being said Tad Williams does it amazingly um, and the other sort of point I wanted to make along those lines is, uh, there was a twist and turn at the end that subtly built, uh, so subtly built 
and I guess he was able to be subtle because it was such a long book, that uh, there was sort of hintings at a M. Night Shyamalan-style twist that uh, everyone reading this book, I think, would eventually pick up on, but it's because of its subtlety. Uh, you're never 100% sure until later on if the twist is what you think it will be. So that I appreciated. The the fact that, you know, I got a fair chunk into this book, uh, into this series, thinking one thing and then finding out at the end that the thing that I thought, the thing that we all thought, including the characters of the book, was in fact untrue. There was hints at it. But uh, really, really appreciated the slow burn, I guess you would say. Uh, the main character, Seoman, or Simon, if you prefer, uh, he starts as a uh, sort of cooking boy and makes his way up to, uh, we'll give away one spoiler, by the very, very end of the book. Uh, and this is sort of in the aftermath of everything that happens, so it's not really a spoiler. He ends up uh, sort of ruling the realm. So uh, I like that rags-to-riches story. Um, th- that combined with quite a number of quests. Uh, quests of traveling from point A to point B. I always say about fantasy novels, I love a good quest. Something about the, the the fact that you know what the end goal is supposed to be, but you have no idea what's going to happen in between uh, always really tickles my fancy. Uh, there were battles. There were a number of battles. Um, they were good. Still not as good. No one ever seems to be as good as uh, who wrote Dress the Legend or the Dress uh, series. Those were still the best uh, battle scenes I've ever read in any fantasy, but these were good. Uh, the addition of elves, they call them something else, but they're basically elves, made the battles a little more interesting, I suppose. All in all, highly, highly, highly recommend this series. Loves it. Ugh. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is Buildings Made of Cubes. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, so today we're going to talk, as it says in my notes here, Rising World and Why I Have to Stop Buying Rust Clones. What does that mean, you might ask? Uh, Rust is a video game. Rising World is a video game. And Rising World is, to many degrees seemingly a copy, a lesser copy, of the game Rust. Um, I have spoken of quite a number of lesser copies of the game Rust on this podcast, and I realized that I am an idiot. (laughs) Now, I've known that about myself on many different subjects, but this is a new one, uh, and that is... Because I enjoyed the game Rust so much and have played over well over 100 hours of it, uh, I realized that uh, I would search Steam for games similar to it in the hopes of finding a game like it so I could play it. Uh, the thing is, because Rust was one of the first of this sort of survival game, 
a game in which you are thrown into a world and have to survive by gathering resources, building weapons, building tools, building buildings. Uh, Minecraft-esque Minecraft, probably the first um, of this sort of idea. Uh, Rust takes it to a more realistic level where you, uh, you know, sort of look like a real person. You're living in a sort of post-apocalyptic world, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Anyways, because I enjoyed it so much, I find myself searching for games like it, playing them, and then realizing, because they have not been out as long, because they haven't had as many people play them and as much money spent on them, uh, they're just not as good. They're sort of pale imitations. Uh, the newest in that trend that I've played is Rising World. Uh, it's fine. If I had played this before I played Rust, I probably would have put more time into it. Um, I gathered some stuff, I built some buildings, I, I dug into the ground, um, I killed a pig with a rock, I don't know what I did. Uh, it was all sort of been there, done that, and done it, and been there betterer. So, uh, I, I don't think I'll go back to it, and my, my hope is that I, because I have realized this fact finally, and I'm saying it out loud, that whenever I get a desire to play a game like Rust, I just go and play freaking Rust. It's still there. They're still improving it. Uh, that's another sort of thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, just recently came out that they made the addition of uh, gender, so you can be a man and a woman. And the fascinating thing about this is... Uh, you cannot choose which gender you're going to be. It's all based somehow, some way, some mathematical formula, I assume, uh, on what your Steam username is. So uh, I went in and checked just to see if I was going to be a guy or a girl, and I am still a guy. I was kind of hoping to be a girl, just for the reason that uh, quite often in video games I will play as women. Just, you know, try something different. Get your get your mindset maybe a little... Uh, little different than it would be otherwise. Uh, we, and I'm using this as the podcast we, and perhaps as the video game playing we, uh, quite often use video games to escape reality. So, my thought is, if I'm going to escape, why not escape that one extra step further into a totally different gender? Hey, why not? That being said, uh... <laughs> I would not want to be a girl in real life. Uh, uh, I said that to my wife on numerous occasions when uh, womanly things happened. Just, oh God, I would hate to be a woman. Ugh. So many negatives. Being a uh, 30-something white male does have its privileges, if you believe it or not. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, the, the other sort of fascinating thing is that uh, rust players of the immature... Uh, kid variety, or, you know, meathead variety, uh, finding out that they are now playing as women were very upset, and that amuses me greatly. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Podcast Milestone Cakes. Cakes to celebrate your podcast milestones. Thank you for that sponsorship. 
Okay, what do we have today? Oh, look at this. We've got some podcasts celebrating milestones. That's a coincidence there. Uh, first is W2F, or what the fuck, if you prefer, although it's technically just called W2F, W2F, W2F. Uh, episode number 700. Holy shit. Uh, being one of the first podcasters, Mark Marin got an early jump, and because he does... Uh, does he do one a week, sometimes two a week, a la sort of comedy bang bang? Uh, you know, I don't really know what his schedule is. Maybe it's two a week. Anyways, he puts out a shit ton of podcasts, and being one of the first, he's up to episode 700. Jesus Christ. You know, it's still, uh, Adam Carolla gonna be a lot more than that, because he does one a day. Uh, I used to do that in a pre-episode 300 world. You can witness my doing... Between five and three episodes a week. And that was pretty insane. I would do it while driving to and from work. Um, I like this formula much more. One a week. uh, Ten weeks on. Two weeks off. As I mentioned. uh, Much, much better for my brain. And hopefully for your ears. Uh, Mark Maron celebrated uh, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Louis C.K. A double Louis. Hang a Louie. They're both named Louis in their names. Uh, yeah, he split the episode into two, which is good because that would have been a super long episode. Although I'm fine with that. I think I listened to him back to back anyways. Uh, both incredible. Highly recommend both. The Louis C.K. was fascinating. If you have any interest in knowing how uh, his television show, what is it, Horace and Pete, that he created and paid for himself, how that came about, uh, the behind the scenes of that were really fascinating. Uh, Juliette Louis-Dreyfus, one of the funniest women out there, one of the funniest people out there, as Mark Maron uh, pointed out. That's a, that's a good way to say it. You don't want to say, just a funny woman. Just one of the funniest people. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, as you can imagine, it was a goddamn funny episode. Okay, uh, let's move on to Kevin Pollock's chat show, 7th year anniversary. Uh, Kevin Pollock, 7 years, he's one of the originals as well. He does many less episodes. In fact, I think I've done more than him at this point. Uh, Needless to say, as I do from time to time, the very first podcast I ever listened to was Kevin Pollock's chat show, episode number 1 with LeVar Burton, and as I like to say... I came for the LeVar Burton, but stayed for the Kevin Pollock. Uh, so I, I owe him a debt of gratitude slash a curse for getting me addicted to podcasts to the degree that I have recorded over 360 of them myself and have uh, 20 plus, I think, on the go at any given moment. This one was incredible and something I had always wanted but uh, had never found yet. And that was a podcast uh, with a guest. The guest being Mr. Jeff Goldblum. Fucking awesome. He, I love him. Really strange, interesting, fascinating just personality, period. So if you want to hear him talk for an hour and change, you can do so. Uh, Also had on Colin Hay and Bill Burr, which were equally good, but we're almost out of time, so i got to move on to... Uh, K. Pike body painting time lapses. What is that? Uh, K. Pike is a cosplayer extraordinary, you might say, who I had the pleasure of meeting 
Oh, jeez, it must have been a couple of years ago at a fan expo in Toronto. Uh, she was working a booth, and if you would like to, and I hope you would, you can Google Nerd Kane Adventures and see pictures of cosplayers and nerdy celebrities uh, getting their pictures with a cane that the nerdy celebrities will autograph. Why have I done this? I don't know. Uh, Kay Pike was one of them, and she has since sort of exploded so uh, i'm happy to see that because she was a very nice person so uh as we end this podcast with it's nice to be nice to the nice uh it is nice to see someone who was nice to me um become super popular and explode onto the scene of body painting what she will do is really incredible i well i haven't done this in a while uh, normally i've been sitting to the schedule very uh, uh militantly but uh, i just paused it as you heard it's my podcast i can do what i want to um so yeah uh, she if you go on twitch she has a twitch channel where you can watch the whole thing live uh but she also posts them on youtube uh and sort of uh time lapses them uh, condenses them speeds them up uh, what it is, is, <laughs> is, is, uh, is, uh, she's painting herself, uh, face, body, uh, hair, even, into various, uh, nerdy, comic booky, uh, superhero-y people. So, uh, she's, the, the list is getting larger and larger. I think she's doing, like, one a week. Um, Booster Gold, I think, was one. I think my favorite so far was maybe Poison Ivy or... Uh, what the hell is her name? Phoenix, Red Phoenix. Is it Red Phoenix or just Phoenix? Anyways, uh, just an incredible transformation. Uh, the, the ones where she picks uh, super, lady superheroes are incredible because she is incredibly beautiful. Uh, the ones where she picks men are incredible because she transforms herself using uh, 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 paint to such a degree that she looks so much like the men she is trying to be that it's it's just incredible you you got to see these for yourself and i hope you do okay last but certainly not least we have funhouse versus the world anchorman fight scene parody what uh this tickled my fancy on several levels uh the first being if you watch the movie anchorman you know the fight scene and it is an incredible scene in itself so to take that and parody it you had me at hello Let's do that. Uh, the reason I'm sort of tickled even more is because instead of uh, journalists, it is game journalists, and maybe journalist is in quotes <laughs> in some of the cases, uh, people who have YouTube channels in which they talk of video games is probably a safe classification of the groups of people. So the reason I like that on this other level is because they can all sort of seemingly get along with one another. So uh, I watched it on the Funhouse channel, but presumably it was on all of their channels. Uh, that's what I like. Uh, I've spoken about it before with like Jimmy Kimmel and Conan O'Brien and the whole lack of a late night war. Uh, spoke of an, of it a million times with podcasters, how... A podcaster will do another podcaster's podcast. Uh, that is not only not unheard of, it is the norm. So uh, I, I like in this day of age, the sort of seemingly groups of people who could be rivals getting together with one another. Because it reminds me that... Oh, such a good segue. 
It is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper